Welcome to church, everybody. Isn't that great music that we can worship Him? Just set the tone for us to worship the Lord. Well, for all of you fathers in attendance this morning, God bless you. Would all the dads please with me stand up for just a moment. Let us give you thanks. Thanks, guys. Thank you all so much. One of the greatest, one of the greatest gifts that God has given to the family is a godly father, a guy that walks with the Lord, that, that, that holds t- together the, spiritual, the very spiritual nature of your family. And so I, uh, I love you men, and I thank you so much for, uh, for who you are in the lives of your family, in the lives of this church, in my life. You guys have been the best, and I thank God for you. We are in a wonderful place in Scripture. What Peter is doing, we're in the fourth chapter of 1 Peter. We're going to finish the fourth chapter. Um, this is, and there's only one more chapter left. It's kind of, uh, we're getting down to the wire of this great book. And uh, Peter is setting the tone. It's, you know, this is all given to him by God. And so what Peter is doing is what God would have for us to understand as a group of people. As we go through what is this book is all about, is about how to deal with trials. And as Peter is going to say to you today, and he's going to say to me, that, that, that it is not by accident we all, he says, this fiery ordeal among you. Don't think it as if something strange is just happening to you. In other words, those that preach, you come to Christ, everything is going to be fine. They're telling you a lie. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that we will all go through difficulties. If ever there was a case in point, it would have been this week for me. I did most of the message, and then I, along with all of you, uh, heard the news of what happened in the church in South Carolina. And I stood there in awe, thinking, what in the world is going on in, in, in our society today? What is wrong with us as a people? And so I listened more and then I heard what is right with us as a people. I listened to to the families of the people who were killed in cold blood in that church at a Bible study. And I listened to the dear families that said to to that, that guy that shot those people that they said, may God have mercy on your soul. I heard one after another after another. I heard them say, we forgive you for what you did to our family. And I sat there and I'm, in a, I'm crying my eyes out. And I'm thinking to myself a lot of things. A lot of things were going through my mind. I was thinking, what a... What a pastor that guy must have been. What a man of God that guy must have been. To build into the lives of the people that came to his church the whole premise of forgiveness. But not just forgiveness, I mean forgiveness. Forgiveness that I do not know that I yet have the capabilities of dealing with. I sat there and I I wallowed in my in my need to grow as a Christian man. 
You see, what I would have loved to have done to that guy was put him in a room, lock that room, and get one of my friends and said, you have, Dave, you have with him for an hour. And then what came out of there, I might have forgiven. I don't know how to deal with what they dealt with. And I, I learned that I still have more still have more room to grow as a believer in Jesus Christ to really understand what we were studying about. And that's going through difficulties, going through trials, and coming out on the other side glorifying God. That's what Peter's teaching us. And if any of you saw what went on there in South Carolina, then then you, you have an understanding of what Peter is saying today in this particular message. I want you to... Let me just begin this by saying Peter began this great book letting us know immediately that there would be trials, there would be suffering, there would be persecution for all believers. The Jewish Christian and the Christians of that day were so persecuted in Rome that they had to flee, they had to leave Rome. And that's the premise of this letter that Peter is writing in 1 Peter. Nero started to build out, burn down the city of Rome. And he started to get backlash about that. And so he was blaming all the Christians. And so with the, the populace of Rome easily adopted an anti-Christian attitude... And the Christians who did not flee Rome were captured and tortured by Nero and the people of Rome. So much so that history tells us that Nero would use the Christians that were captured that had not fled Rome and he would use them as a human torch. He would put wax on their bodies, tie them to a post, and then he would set them aflame to light his garden parties in the evening. How, de how despicable of a human being do you have to be? And so Peter comes along and he tells the scattered Christians who perhaps had loved ones who were killed there in Rome how they were to respond to their unjust suffering. And he begins by saying, this fiery ordeal. Read with me. Read with me in 1 Peter chapter 4. Peter right now has got to the very apex of his message. He's gotten to his point. And you're going to see it unfold before your eyes this morning. It's as clear as it could possibly be. He says in verse 12, Beloved, talking to the believers... Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of His glory you may rejoice with exultation. He says in verse 14, If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. 
But he says in verse 15, By no means let any of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not feel ashamed, but in that name let him glorify God. Then he says in verse 17, watch, For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Therefore, he says in verse 19, let those also who suffer according to the will of God entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. After studying that and having most of it done because I had a few other things that I needed to do this week like there was the memorial service for Meredith. Meredith Lunce went went to be home with the Lord. And you talk about a a godly woman. It was Janet, his wife. As she went through that ordeal with great dignity. With great dignity. And she, along with all of us, laid to rest her dear husband. And so I had most of my message kind of thought through. And then this whole thing about this shooting in this church in South Carolina came about and I said Lord Lord right before our eyes is a lesson from 1 Peter chapter 4 as, as, as Peter writes but really the Lord gives to us he says let those verse 19 who suffer according to the will of God entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. And I wish that I could have the privilege of knowing those families in South Carolina. Just understanding what and who they are like. I would have loved to have known their pastor. I really would have. I knew a man much like him and Kenny Hutcherson, but I sure would have loved to have known this man. So this is really a wonderful place in Scripture for us to be in. It's, but it's not Christianity 101. This is deeper waters. By now, Peter is believing that you and I are understanding what he's been saying for the, for the past four chapters. He believes that we've kind of got a grip on it. And, and even though you might learn, like I learned this week, that I'm not at the place I need to be yet. I'm still moving in that direction. And maybe you are as well. So let's pray. Let's, let's, let's look at this. this is, you're going to see as this unfolds how God magnificently presents the gospel of Jesus Christ through all of this, the trials that we go through. Father, please, bless those people in South Carolina, those dear families who went to church this morning without some of their loved ones, without their pastor. Um, hmm, I don't know. Father, I pray you bless them. I thank you, Father, for 
our ability to open up the Bible and to read and to see it fold out like today's newspaper. Oh, it's, it wouldn't be written, Father, what you wrote in there, our newspapers wouldn't write it like, like you said it, not at all. But dear Father, we get to read from your, your heart to ours, and so we ask that you'd open up our eyes. Open up our hearts, our minds, our thoughts so that we would behold wonderful things that come from your law. That we would understand what it is that you're trying to say to us in the midst of this, this, this world that is in upheaval, Father. What, what do you want us to learn? And Father, I pray for us to understand everything that we need to understand that you would move me aside. Uh, don't let me interfere, Father, with what you want to say to each one of us individually. And I pray you will bless us. And we pray these things, Father, in the most precious name that we know. The name, Father, of your most precious Son, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Here's what I wrote early in the week. I said, uh, I wrote these things before all of this happened. I, I wrote, hostility is on the rise in our society. Today, I wrote, Christians who speak out against sin or give a defense for the exclusivity of the gospel or to proclaim that Jesus Christ is God Almighty, we are enduring hostility as, as a people. Believers, I wrote, need to take heed these instructions that Peter is giving us. I wrote that. Almost felt like it was prophetic of a sense of what I sensed during the first of the week. Let's take a look at first things first. What does Peter do? Look at verse 12. Peter does what any good preacher would do. And he lets us know that just because you have come to Christ, just because you have entrusted your soul to an almighty God, you still will go through trials. I mean, any of us can turn on the TV. Here's some of those preachers on TV say, you come to Christ, everything will be great. Enough faith, we'll get you a car, a new car. You'll be able to have a new job. You're, holy smokes, you own it, and then send it to us. And all, you know, you hear that stuff, a bunch of garbage. You think, do those guys even read their Bibles? If they do, do they even really want people to know what you say, Father? Or do they want people to know what they want them to hear? What is it? And so Peter tells us straight up, Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you, and here's his purpose. For you're testing to see how you are, to see how you're doing. I failed my test this week. I, I watched television and I listened to those dear people say to that guy, we forgive you. And I say, how? Lord, help me. Become the man of God you want me to be. And my test wasn't a good one for me this week. I didn't bring home that star on my forehead, you know. This fiery ordeal among you comes upon for your testing and don't think it's some strange thing that were just happening to you. Folks, everyone goes through difficulties. Now, I understand. I totally understand. In fact, I'm a part of it. 
thinking it would be natural to, to think that being troubled and, and being confused by the suffering that is, is revolving around you, that, 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 it, that you think it's just happening to you, when in fact that's not true. It's happening to all of us, some degree or another. Therefore, if that is true, if what Peter says is true, and it is, you and I ought to strive to be the man, the woman of God that God has called us to be. We ought to live a godly life. Yet, Paul tells Timothy, I want you to live a godly life, Timothy. But, he says, did I just yell? I did, I'm sorry. Calm down, Johnny. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, listen to what Paul says to Timothy. He says, indeed, Timothy, indeed, all of you, indeed, me, all of you who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not might be persecuted. Will be persecuted. And so this life that hopefully you and I desire to live, to be a, a true follower, a true believer in Jesus Christ is going to cost us something. We, we, we learned this last week. We, you've got to know this or else you and you and I, we will be perplexed when trials come our way. Remember when Jesus Christ Himself said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, He says, if any one of you, any of you, any of you wish, He says, to come after Me, He says, You've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross daily and follow me. There's a cost to believing and trusting in Jesus Christ. But the outcome, as we're going to learn later from Paul, it it isn't even compare to what we have laying before us in heaven itself. So Peter lets us see that through our suffering there is a purpose in our life. And that is, through our suffering we can honor the Lord Jesus Christ and ultimately we will be blessed. Think that. Look at verses 13 and 14 again. Look, but, verse 13, to the degree that you share in the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, Peter writes so that at the revelation of His glory you may rejoice with exaltation. If you are reviled, he says, for the name of Christ, you are blessed, he says, because the Spirit of glory and the Spirit, I believe, of God rests upon you. What Peter is saying, Paul assures us, He writes it out beautifully in Romans 8.18. Listen to what I said just a little while ago. Listen to what Paul says. Paul says, I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. The suffering that Paul says he is going through, it's not worthy to be compared to the glory that He will experience one day in heaven, that you and I will experience one day in heaven. So all the hatred, all the violence against Christians cannot and should not diminish your and my blessings. 
Because, as verse 14 teaches, the Spirit of glory and the Spirit of God rests on you. That's not just when we get to heaven. That is right here and now. The Holy Spirit of God comes to live within your life to guide you, to comfort you, to convict you, and to conform you and me into the image of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But you may say, I don't feel that blessing. I want to give you a lesson in that. If that be true, you don't feel that blessing, and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then more than likely you have some unconfessed sin that you are keeping away from confessing to God. And in so doing, you have grieved the Holy Spirit of God and He is therefore unable to bless you as you ought to be blessed. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. My wife made our kids and me learn this a long time ago when they were like this. Ephesians 4.30 says this, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You and I grieve the Spirit of God when there is a pattern of sin or more likely, should say, unconfessed sin within our lives. Therefore, Kay taught us kids 1 John 1.9 as well. If we confess our sin... He is faithful and He is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want you to hold on to 1 John 1.9. If that's not a memory verse for you yet, I would encourage you to consider it as one. If you do your part, confess your known sin, God will do His part. He will forgive you because He is faithful and just and he'll forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness i'm going to get back to that in a moment let's take a look at verse 14 at the end of the verse it says rests upon you verse 14 if you are reviled for the name of christ you are blessed because the spirit of glory and the spirit of god rests upon you that word rest upon you in the greek is a-n-a-p-a-u-o it means to give relief it means to refresh it means to pause or make a pause or, or allow a pause from difficulties. Jesus tries to comfort us with this type of rest. He himself says this. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29. Jesus says this, Come to me, all of you, who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Same word. I will give you, he says, relief. I will give you refreshment. I will give you a pause from your difficulties. Come to me if you are weary, he says. Come to me if you are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take, he says in verse 29, the next verse, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, he says, because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Our Lord wants to give us this rest. Paul puts it this way 
2 Corinthians 12. I relate. I like Paul a lot. He says in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 and 10, he says he, now he's talking about Jesus. He says, Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. Power, Jesus said to Paul, is perfected in weakness, Jesus said to Paul. Paul then says in that same verse, verse 9, I most gladly, therefore, will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, Paul says in verse 10 of 2 Corinthians 12, I am well content with weaknesses. I am well content with insults, with distress, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. Listen closely now. Because Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. People, your weakness, our weakness, becomes God's strength when the Holy Spirit moves upon our souls and gives us rest. Therefore, for God's sake, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God with unconfessed or sin that you have not dealt with. I take it upon myself, and I want to give this to you for whatever it's worth. When you sin and the Holy Spirit convicts you that you sin, don't put it off to confess later in the day when you have more time. Deal with it right then. It's been a pattern in my life. When I, when I recognize that I am in sin, I deal with it as soon as I possibly can. I do not want to for a second longer to grieve the Holy Spirit that lives and reigns within me. I want to be blessed by God as much as I possibly can. So naturally, after verse 14, back in 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter says in verse 15, Therefore, make sure that none of you suffer as a murderer or, or a thief or an evildoer or, or a troublesome meddler. You get the progression there? It's like, it's like you're on a ski slope going straight downhill. He goes from murderer to troublesome meddler. Note the gap. It appears that God does not seem to weigh our sin. Sin is sin is sin to God. And we must be careful of confessing everything, even that sin that we might think is meaningless, irrelevant. Of little, of little transgression. No one knew of it. Who in the world knows? No one knew. I won't deal with it. No, God knows. And take even the smallest of sins that, that you recognize when, when the Holy Spirit of God convicts you of sin, and He is very good at doing that. When He convicts you of that sin, don't say, well, that's right. I'll deal with that later. No, deal with it right away. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God in you. 1 John 1.9 Told you we'd come back. Listen again. If you, if we, if we confess our sin, that sin that we know of, He is faithful and just to forgive us of that sin. Here comes the great part. And it goes on to close. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That all unrighteousness 
cleanse us from the things that we don't even know that we did. Say, for instance, God forbid I, I offended Dave. And I didn't know it. I didn't mean to do it. I didn't, it, was, it, just, it was a part. I didn't do it, but it hurt his heart. It was, to him, it was like a sin that I did. I didn't even know about it. But when I am convicted of sin, if I say, Lord, forgive me of that sin, cleanse me of that, He will take that sin that I know of and also that sin that I did to Dave and cleanse me from it. And when finally I am convicted, if some way, somehow, then I go to Him and then ask for forgiveness. And so confess your sins. Don't put it off, folks. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God who lives and reigns within you. Deal with sin. And so Peter then goes and says, and this is, this is really great stuff in my opinion. He says, if anyone suffers, verse 16, if anyone suffers as a Christian, they're not to be ashamed. Rather, they are to glorify God in this name. It's time, Peter writes in verse 17, some heavy words. It's time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And he says in verse 17, if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Note verse 16. He says, you and I are to glorify God through our suffering. In other words, we are not to sin in the process. As a believer, I'm not to be ashamed of what I am going through. I am to glorify God through it all. And how do I glorify Him? By not sinning in the process. Rather, honoring Him as I go through it. That's why I say to you, those people in South Carolina, I'd love to meet them. I'd love to just meet them. They honored the Lord God and they went through a difficulty that I've, I can't imagine. Can't imagine. Can't imagine someone killing my mom and then being proud of it. And I can't imagine me wanting to say, I forgive you. No. I've got to learn more about my faith. In verse 17, it talks about the judgment to begin in the household of God. The word judgment there is a very strong word. It's K-R-I-M-A. It's a, it refers to a, a, a judicial, uh, a divine judgment against sin. And so it says in verse 17, it's time for a judgment to begin within the household of God. The divine judgment upon you and upon you if you've come to Christ and upon me since I have come and asked Christ to be my Savior. The divine judgment upon me is a decision that God renders my sin as sin. And it includes with this judgment a chastening and a cleansing which God the Father chose to take it out on His Son on your and my behalf. He took the chastening for your sin, my sin, and He took it out on His Son upon the cross. And it is not forever after an eternal 
condemnation towards we who have trusted in Christ. Paul says, put it up on the screen, Romans 8.1. I want you to read this. Listen to what Paul says. Therefore, there is now, what? No condemnation to those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Clear enough for you? No condemnation to those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Take, put on the screen 1 Corinthians 11.32. Paul writes these words. When we are judged, in other words, we have this judgment, this K-R-I-M-A against us, this divine judgment. When we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. And so he says in verse 17, it is time for the judgment to begin with the household of God. And it did. And He took out our sin upon His Son when He nailed Him to the cross and He bled our Savior for our sin. Then He says, if it goes to us first, what would be the outcome? What's going to be the outcome? He asks in verse 17. For those who do not obey the gospel of God. What is their outcome? Well, I'll tell you. Scripture does not hesitate to tell us the outcome of those who choose not to believe. Look, if you're here this morning and you've not yet given your heart to Jesus Christ, you better listen and you better listen good. Because there is a judgment upon your soul. And you're not going to hear this in many churches. But you're going to hear it here. You're going to hear it from us. I want you to look with me. You're in 1 Peter. You don't even need to hold your place there if you don't want to. Just turn to the right and go to the last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation. And look at the 20th chapter with me for a moment. And we'll see what the outcome of those who choose not to trust in Christ, who choose not to obey the gospel of God, which is come to God the Father saying, come to my, my Son, your Savior, and allow Him to take upon himself your sin so that I will not have any condemnation upon you any longer John the writer of Revelation chapter 20 verse 11 says I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled away there was no place found for them strong enough for you mighty enough for you this God things Flee from His presence if He wants it to. And so John writes in verse 12, I saw the dead, the great and the small. In other words, presidents as well as homeless people. Rich people as well as poor people. There will be no exemptions. Rich, great, small, poor. They are all standing before the throne, it says in verse 12. And note, books, plural, books were opened. And another book, singular, was opened. Very important to know the difference between these two books. So the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is, explains, the book of life. The dead were judged from the things were written in the books, plural, according to their deeds. The sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were all judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. And after the judgment, death 
and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. John tells us in verse 14, this is the second death. This is a death that you want to know nothing about. This lake of fire, this second death. And so verse 15 tells us if anyone's name was not, read it clearly, was not found written in the book of life, that singular book, the book of life, that person was thrown into the lake of fire. Listen, unbeliever, at all costs, you want your name written in that book of life. How do you get it? I'll tell you how in a moment. It's it's nothing you want to trifle with. For the sake of God Almighty, if you hear God's call upon your soul, if you sense Him calling you, come to Him right now so that you will never have to deal with what is called the second death, a place that is called hell. It was not created for human beings. The book of life is where you want your name, where there is no longer any condemnation for those of you who are in Christ. I'm about ten minutes early on purpose. I want to talk to you. You can close your books now. For those of you who are here and you're not certain that you are a believer in Jesus Christ, I'm going to speak to you as clearly as I know how. Don't put off the obvious in your life. Come to Christ. You might say, how? Surely, and I mean, surely, by asking the Lord to forgive you of your sin, by asking Him to come into your heart, and by asking Him to make you the type of person that you've created, He's created you to be, Today is June. Yes, June. Yes, June. July, June. No, it starts with a J. June, the 21st. This is the year 2015. It is 12.04 in the afternoon. I know of no better time ever in the history of life for a person to come to Christ. The time I came to Christ was March the 12th. 1973, before most of you were born. It was in Honolulu, Hawaii, and it was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I wrote that down because I wanted to know what I did was for certain. In fact, I wrote it down in the back of my book. I have here, I came to Christ March the 12th, 1973, 3 o'clock in Hawaii. I write it in here because there's times when I'm not acting like a Christian. And I turned back there and I said, you know, I might not be acting like a Christian, but I am a Christian. I need to get my act together. June the 21st, 12.05 in the afternoon. Ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior. Put your name in the Lamb's book of life, that singular book where there will be no condemnation upon your soul. And let us help you become the man, the woman, the person that God has created you to be. Come to our church. We will help you to grow.
We're going to tell you that two and two is four. We're not going to try to tell you that two and two is three and a half or four and three quarters. We will tell you the truth from the Word of God so that you can make decisions on how you want to follow the, follow the Lord God Almighty on your own. We won't make you do it, but we'll give you the ability to understand what it is to walk with Him. And we won't, we won't duck and hide from difficult passages that tells you you need to come to Christ. We'll tell you the truth because we love you. What you think of us, well, that's a whole other thing. But I'd rather, as Michael taught us Wednesday morning at our men's breakfast, I'd rather be a church that doesn't have to be ashamed of what we told the people that come to us. That our blood is free from mankind. Please come to Christ. For those of you who are believers, maybe you need to make a gut check like I did this week. When I sat in front of that TV set and I looked at Kay and I said, I'm not that man yet. If someone shot my mom, I don't know. I could have said, yeah, I'd have forgiven him. But I'd have been lying through my teeth. I want to get to that place. But I'm not there yet. And if you're somewhat like that, not necessarily about what I just explained, but there's stuff in your life that you're just not living like you know you should, stop. Stop grieving the Spirit of God that lives within you. Let Him be at peace within you and bless you as He wants to bless you. That's enough, isn't it? Maybe it's too much. Uh, it's, no, it's just right. It's perfect. It's not. Thanks. Um, I shouldn't have gone there. Let me just say this. Let me close with prayer. We're going to have prayer up here in a moment. For anything. Prayer for different things. If you, if you please in your heart, pray for Avery's uh, daughter and granddaughter. Daughter or son? Daughter. Um, going through a difficult childbirth, both the baby and the mom. Pray for them. First name is? Aubrey. Pray for them if you don't, you don't mind when you have time. Um, I love Avery with all my heart. Father, I want to thank you for today. Lord, studying your Bible is the most amazing thing. You just can't duck and we can't hide. Truth becomes truth, and then we have to deal with it. And when sometimes it becomes so hard to deal with, sometimes we don't know how, Father. I pray you'll give peace to everyone here. I pray, Father, please, that you'll not allow anyone to walk out of here not knowing for certain that they're a believer. If they're not sure, if they think, well, I think I am, I, I think I did that, why think anymore? Take this day, June the 21st, 12 o'clock in the afternoon. I gave my heart to the Lord, and you'll never have to think you are again. Father, thank you so much for this place, this church. I love, I love this place. I don't, can't put into words, Father, how much I love this place. God bless each of us. And
take us wherever we're going this afternoon safely, I pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen.